Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to another episode of How To Be Sound, where someone who is trying to be sound interviews other people who are trying to be sound about how to be sound-er. I'm your host, Rosemary McCabe, and I'm joined in studio today by Jean, whose name I used to think was Jeannie. Is it just Jean? My name's actually Jean Ann. Oh, hyphenated. Um, no. no. So... It can be hyphenated. I don't really have ownership over my name anymore, which is really sad because of social media. So I'm like, Jean spelt the French way on my LinkedIn and professionally. I'm Jean Anna, my birth cert. I'm Jeannie on Facebook. And it all came about because when I started writing for the first time, people were using my Twitter name as my byline without asking me. And it just became such a chore to correct that I just went, oh, yeah, okay. Oh. I'm now Jeanne Sutton. So. Yeah, because I always just thought you were really posh. No, I'm from Tipperary. Well, I mean, you can be posh and from Tipperary. If you're a Protestant, yeah. And and so. you're not. Do you want to clear that up? Oh, yeah. Make that explicitly clear. Yeah, ticked Catholic in that census. Jeanne Sutton, <laughs> Tipperary girl and Catholic. Yeah. So the reason I want to talk to anybody on my podcast is because these are women that I think are smart and interesting. So well done. Well done. Wow. Good for you. But... um. More specifically, I thought that it would be interesting to talk about, we've both had a kind of a similar uh, evolution, for want of a less disgusting word, in the past year or so, in that we've both changed careers, basically. Yeah. And it's something that, I mean, obviously I'm really self-obsessed and I go to therapy, (laughs) so I do think about myself a lot and I'm like, oh, That's healthy. Yeah, I think so. So, you know, I've been thinking a lot about career changes and what that means and how it feels to change career. What age are you? Are you my age? I'm 28. Oh no. Everybody I think is my age is younger than me. I am. Um, I'm 29 this year, so I'm 29 okay, in well, a couple of right. months. So you're practically 30. Yeah. You're entering your 30th year. I'm okay with that though. My mother would have you down as being four. She'd be like, you're, oh, you're nearly 40 now. She says that to me now. I'm like, mom, I'm 33. She's like, oh, sure, you, you'll be 40 before I, you know it. Yeah, I think that's pretty young. Um, So. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm not, I mean, I, I'm not worried about turning 30. Um, I'm. A bit annoyed, like if this was 20 years ago, I'd probably have a house or something. Mm. But like, I would also probably be married with two, two kids, kids and yeah. I wouldn't have retinol. So, yeah, you'd you have know. shit skin and we'd all have way worse And we'd hair. have no channels. No. I'd be stuck watching the Late Late Show. So I'm not really that bitter about being born when I've been born. We wouldn't have the morning after, which is probably why we'd have two kids. What we'll else would we not have? 20 years ago? I mean, because it doesn't seem like have a 20 years ago is 1998. Well, they definitely had the pill then, didn't they? They had the pill. They had condoms, I think, but only just. Weren't condoms in the 90s? I think like they were. We know things. <laughs> My little sister put up an Instagram commemorating this legalised sale of condoms or contraception. So I think 80s, but you got it on prescription. Um, My God, imagine getting a prescription for your condom. Do you have to get measured? <laughs> I don't could, know. Like, could, could Text women? our dads. <laughs> oh no, my, my my parents have never seen a condom, and in fact, 
my uncle, uh, who I actually won't name him just in case, I'm sure he would not mind me telling this story. But he was telling me that when he was younger, he was living in, I think, Sierra Leone. And he had a friend. I think she was either Irish or English. But the way he tells the story, right, she sounds like she was a very Protestant friend. Like she was very learned and wise and she and she knew things that they didn't know. Like not that she was kind of um, what they would call a fast woman. But she was kind of like, you know, she went on dates and she had different liberated. boyfriends. Yeah, she was liberated. The Protestants are getting a great shout out in this yeah. podcast so far. Yeah. Oh, I always wanted to be a Protestant so you could go to Sunday school. <laughs> I don't know why, because I didn't even like mass. Anyway, so he was friends with this woman and he was over in her apartment. They were going out for dinner or something and he'd gone over to pick her up and she was getting ready. And, and, and he said something to her. She said like, oh, will you pass me in my lipstick or something? And he said, oh, where is it? And she said, it's, it's on the bedside table beside the condoms. And he had never seen a condom. <laughs> he, was, he was married and I think in he had... In Sierra Leone's first time he sees a condom. Yeah, he was married and I think he had, he had... They had one or two children at this point and he had never seen a condom. And he said he was looking on the bedside cabinet going, beside the condom, where's the lipstick? What? And he suddenly spied what he thought were condoms. And he was, he said, agog, like literally staring. I just don't know how these would work. This is insane. Like what? And she eventually came out of the bathroom. She went, for God's sake, you know, where's the lipstick? And he went, these are condoms. And she looked at him and she goes, no, you fucking idiot. They're hair rollers. <laughs> and he was just staring at the only thing that oh he could God. see that was in, in any way cylindrical. Probably so scared. I know. I'd say it shriveled right up inside him. But you know, God. like... Condoms have been around since like the Victorian era. They were vulcanized yeah. rubber, like they were really thick. You to roll them on. So roll them on now, Jean. <laughs> do you? Um, as I said before, I'm Catholic, Rosemary. Um, no, they were like, they were like a really thick rubber. You can see them pictures of them online. So they like made your penis feel a lot bigger. Oh, so they were like. Ribbed for her pleasure on like a huge scale. Maybe not for her pleasure. They were kind of like, I'm trying to think of the thickness of them. If you look them up online, they're fairly... Like like latex gloves, like thicker thicker than that. Yeah. I thought they used to make them out of um, like sheep's or lamb's stomach lining or something. They did that like before the Victorian era. Even in kind of, uh, you know, when they find things in uh, the tombs in Egypt and they're like, these must have been condoms. You're just like, how do you know? That could have been like like a finger glove. Can't you still get lamb skin ones or... I really, really hope not. No, I'm pretty sure you can. How did we start talking about this? I don't know. My career. (laughs) Yeah, your career. Tell us. Tell tell our loyal listeners about what you were doing and what you are now doing and why you changed. Well, I start from like when I'm 18. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, and I'm leaving. Time limit. I'm leaving the convent like Maria in uh, the sound of music. Did you go to a convent? I did. Yeah, I was it a boarding school. There was a boarding school, but I went to the day girl because I lived in the same area. But I really liked my secondary school. It was an Ursuline order of nuns, but the nuns didn't teach there. But you did have religion classes, which were really funny. And like funny, haha. Yeah, I found them funny, haha, because like at home I had a pretty okay. Like you know, I wasn't. My parents weren't really strict or anything, so Mm -hmm. you'd come in and you'd be taken away like a pinch of salt. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. So your parents at home weren't going. You must believe everything the nuns tell you, Jean. No. There wasn't any of that. Do your parents um, call you Jean Ann or Jean? Jean. Okay. They don't use my name that often when they're talking to me, like it's on the phone. So. Yeah, true. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but my mom actually mostly calls me Beatrice, which is my sister's name. <laughs> That's so a she uses that name names. a lot more than mine. Uh, yeah, my mom calls me like my sister's name before she gets to mine whenever she's mm. trying to pinpoint. But yeah, so I left school at eighteen. 
1918 and I went to Trinity and I did law and I picked it out in my CEO for the reason that like I remember like my mom will say she didn't say this but she was like not into me doing English and philosophy as a arts degree and I did very well in my subjects and skill like I was getting A's from 12 on so it was kind of destined that I would do a high points course I didn't really have a choice but mm. I wanted to do it as well how many points was law it's like 500 and something like yeah, I don't yeah. want to be that person who remembers I do remember but <laughs> well then, <laughs> I then re- you are that person yeah but like but I remember those things anyway so it would have been 500s and but I knew going into my leave insert that I didn't find my leave insert difficult I didn't get that stressed out about it I was really good at study so yeah I think when you're a particular person and when you know the bare minimum you have to do, you're going to be fine. So I would, yeah. I studied by exam papers. That was how I did it. And that's how I did it in college as well. So I did law in Trinity and I originally had Cork down UCC to do law because a lot of girls in my secondary school in Tipperary would be going to Cork and I thought it would have been easier to know people. But then <laughs> my whole life changed because my sister had tickets to Shane Ward in Cork alive in the Marquis that what? summer and it was before the CEO deadline so I went down to Cork with her because she had a ticket and we stayed in a hotel down there and what did you decide it was a shithole or something like I just Shane Ward was funny we had a great time with <laughs> it um I was hanging around Cork the next day and it was just um yeah I just I didn't feel it and it's, it's funny how you can have those moments like you know when you go somewhere and it's raining and it's grey and you don't like you don't have a particularly great time and you're like this place is a bit shit yeah so I went home and changed my CEO I, I think it's Leon lovely and kind of had that experience like, and, and, and Leon I'm sure is lovely but I just found it really it's like this is just such a boring place to be so yeah I went home and changed my CEO and ended up getting into Trinity and did law there for four years and I went to Canada for my year three yeah went to Canada then for two semesters and then when I came back to Trinity for my fourth year, kind of sort of changed me a bit because um, I was on my own a lot. And They're I, real liberal. Um, yeah, they are really liberal over there. Like they start giving out to me about our abortion law. And I was just there like, oh, hi, I'm 21. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I'm not an elected representative. I'm sorry. Um, but they were like people over there were quite nice, but. Um, I took a class in gender studies over there. It was law and feminism and a few other things thrown in. It was the woke class. That sounds really nice. And the lecture. Law and and feminism and a few other things that we could all do with a bit of that. Yeah, and like learned loads of things. Like there was kind of a quota in the class nearly of people from all different backgrounds. And there was loads of guys in the class. So we learned different things. And every class we did a different theory. And it wasn't a forced thing. And your essay could be pretty flexible. Like there was guys in the class, um, like you were using, you were talking about privilege and all that without using the word privilege. Well, the word uh, privilege wasn't really around then. Yeah. And people That's were just, new. yeah. People were just talking about really interesting things like how one girl did her essay on fashion labels, um, robbing native designs from like oh, women in um, Asia and Africa and just how these women don't know that something that a girl saw mm. on her holidays um in it's Madagascar now is now in Milan yeah. yeah and just like how those girls can get redressed and that was her essay and she did it because she was really into crafts and yeah. I done my essay on abortion and so everyone got to share and it was lovely and at the end of the lecture Sonia Lawrence was her name the lecturer and she was so nice and I've since met up with her and she came to Ireland she like said there's no point in taking this class if you don't do anything with it 
And so I came back to Trinity and I applied for with my friend Fiona Hyde to do a women's magazine. Um, in Fiona Trinity. Hyde at Angosique on Twitter. Yeah, I don't know if we're, oh. let, if we're letting name her Twitter. I'm sure we are. Oh, well, she, she I does mean, that, I think you can search Fiona Hyde and you find her at, at Angosique on Twitter. Yeah, and she does the advice column in the journal. Yes, now. yeah, yeah. So she's out there. She's public. And we did a women's magazine called Siren and we got funding for it and we printed it and we did photo shoots. It was all about like, we said it was a gender equality magazine at the time to get the funding. Uh-huh. And, um, uh, Ireland. Yeah, so. And the Equality Office in Trinity were great about it. We launched it, um, Zappone and Gilligan launched it and it won a Smedia at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was really fun and it was really positive. And I met loads of people through it. So I started putting myself out there more. And that magazine kind of led to other opportunities. And one opportunity I didn't take up, which I probably should have at the time looking back, in that the Gloss had judged the magazine's thing afterwards, the magazine's award. And afterwards, when we were in the kind of room after you get the award, the one of the women in charge of Gloss had told me, listen, send us an email and come in and do an internship. And she'll probably deny she said that now, but she had said to me, like, you know, if you want to come in and get work experience, like, let me know. And I was like, well, I don't have the money to do that. And I didn't do it. And I then was I was working in Trinity as a receptionist. And then after that, I was unemployed. And I think I worked for a few weeks. I don't I think I worked. No, I did work. I worked for a few weeks in um, a Dylan McGrath restaurant and it was a disaster. It just was not for me. Um, I I'm, actually can't imagine you. No, as like, <laughs> I was the hostess. Yeah. I mean, similarly that I think like, uh, like I'm not good at, you know, if I think somebody's being slightly rude to me or even, you know, if somebody kind of touches me, you know, like when, when you're showing, I often think about hostesses when they're showing men to their tables and stuff and men might oh, put their hand yeah. on the small of their back. Those kind of things like, like I would not be graciously smiling at them. I'd be going, excuse me. Like I'd be fired basically. One of the days, um, because it was on a, guys came in one of the guys who funded or an architect or someone like that and they were coming in having a meeting there and he asked me to make coffee and I just went I don't know how to make coffee and then went back to my job but the thing is I don't know how to make coffee I grew up in Tipperary do you know how to make coffee now no like I know how to put Trinity for crying out loud I know how to put Nescafe in hot water but like but I think not learning how to make coffee means I can't make you coffee yeah and there is actually an interesting in um I, I talked about this in, in one of the previous podcasts, but in Feminist Fight Club, uh, which is... The, oh, I have that book. I've read bits of it. It's great. Yeah, it's really good. And there's a lot of talk in that about how women are the ones who always get asked to make the coffee. But I always think if you're asked to take notes in a meeting, say you have carpal tunnel. Have you ever done that? No, but I plan on doing it. It's like one of my backups. And I do actually have a little wrist support thing that I have to wear sometimes. So, so I'm you like, can just whip it out and be like, oh yeah, no, I have carpal tunnel. Actually, I can't. Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, I did that for a few weeks and it was just disastrous. And then um, I did an internship at the Web Summit for six months and I really liked the Web Summit. I had a gas time there. I worked with some really fun people. I didn't work for the Web Summit event itself. I worked, they had satellite events in a way. So I worked for one in London and I had loads of fun at that. And you meet like, you meet the funniest people at tech conferences. They're so serious and they're just odd people. Like, I'm just going to say that. And really intense. And their companies probably don't exist anymore. You know, like and they were like, these are going to change the world. And you yeah, just like, yeah. I think as I was having such fun 
there like it was really stressful because you were doing calls to America so you're up late waiting to talk to these people but everyone's just like a bullshit merchant in that space so you'd be on the phone kind of laughing and you'd have to be like and tell me Adam about your startup and you'd like you don't care and his startup you know sounds I, really dumb but I feel like a lot of this is kind of your attitude to life because I think in that situation I would be getting really pissed off do you remember like fuck's sake I have to interview this next you know this is going nowhere and this is stupid and it's such a waste of my time and like you know like this person is so weird whereas you're like this is gas yeah like we'd be just one of the guys in the place was obsessed with getting LinkedIn requests so we try and outdo him on LinkedIn connections and um yeah no it was just a really funny time and LinkedIn can get very competitive because oh. it rates you do you know what I mean so it goes in and like you oh, can yeah. see where you are like are you an expert or are you an A or a B you know what I mean I, I don't know exactly what it is I'm not on LinkedIn anymore but I'm, when I was I was pretty high I'm pretty good at it as well I really I use it a lot though for things I find LinkedIn are really easy I think from working the website I was doing sales so LinkedIn was a really easy way to know what to say to somebody God, I'm so easily influenced now. I'm like, maybe I should get back on LinkedIn. Uh, no, like if you don't That's need compelling. it, you don't need it. Um, but, and I think actually working in sales and the web summit helped me for journalism and all that a lot because you had five minutes to get ready for a call. Mm. And you know, some people do research packages and all that. And yeah. they get really annoyed when they hear someone on RC radio going, oh, so tell us a bit about yourself. And I'm like, that person has the same approach to life as me. And that like, no, I'm going to read my Kindle on the way to work rather than doing work. Yeah, yeah. So it prepared me for doing stuff really quickly and having to learn about complex businesses that no longer exist. Huh. And also everyone in there was a really funny person. And I left that after six months because if I was staying, I was going to be staying in sales. Okay. And I said that to like the HR manager and Patty when I was leaving. I was like, oh, there's not really a role for me. And they did ask me to stay on, but I knew I would end up back in sales no matter yeah. what role was kind of created for me because it's a company that sells tickets. Yeah, yeah. So then I was on the dole for a while after that. And so you really should have taken the internship with the gloss. Although like that is kind of does raise the point that internships are such bullshit because you need to have the means to support yourself while you're doing them. Do you know what I mean? So they yeah. are the reserve of people who have money. Yeah, well, I didn't get offered the internship at the glass. I was invited to kind of apply. No, yeah, sorry, sorry. So like, yeah, but I mean, while you like after the web summit, then you had time that you could have gone in and gone. Yeah. And this actually led to me. I after the web summit, I had a few months. So it was actually really tough at the time because I was on the dole and the dole in Ireland is no money whatsoever. I just I agree completely with raising it. And some people would really recoil at that suggestion mm. but it's no money it's not a standard of living for like people talk about like that Leo Varadkar campaign really annoyed me and you can't live in Dublin at the moment on the dole no it's no 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 terrible money it's not money it's money for to do one grocery shop like that's it's yeah. really bad and you can't live in it and I was having like one meal a day on that and like I always say like me and my boyfriend grew a lot closer because I would stay at his house to eat that's what it was like and it's just a bad way to spend your uh, pivotal year in your 20s yeah. is like undernourished <laughs> and having bad food. So I was doing all that and I went down to Electric Picnic. Uh, my boyfriend was DJing at it and I was like, oh, I'll come with you. And he was like, yeah. And then in the car on the way down, him and his friend were like, Jim, we don't know if you have a ticket. And I was oh. in such a kind of mood that I was like, I actually don't care because I'll get a lift back with Davy's dad. And I'd only packed a play suit and various pairs of tights and knickers and I had a 
like nature valley in my bag that was like my attitude at the time I loved how like I didn't really give a shit and I was just there with my sunglasses on stand like my penny sunglasses like I don't care this just seems so <laughs> stressful this is a very but stressful I story loved what happened it. then and then we went down there and um did you get your ticket did you have to go home I was with Davey's like, no I got in and we were staying in the artist camp area and yeah, there, it was really funny because Dan and them were acting in some like play in the kids area and I didn't get, I wasn't clear to go into kids area so I'd have to wander around on my own. Like Dan was playing Hamlet in some kids play. <laughs> it was just really funny. But Roisin Agnew was in the play as well and hanging out. So I got to know her at it and I was hanging out with that crowd. And then a week or two later, Roisin messaged me, oh, I need an intern in Image. And I was like, I'm not doing anything else. And Jobbridge was starting up. So I went in and I met them and I was like, yeah, I'll start in a few days. And I did. But before I went in to meet them, my mum at the time was saying, would you look at doing a master's? And the government had taken away the grants for master's. So it would have meant my parents paying for it. And I was like, OK, I'll think about it. And I looked at someone DCU and she'd say, listen, you really like communications. You loved doing that magazine and you got loads of coverage from it or whatever. Like, would you think of doing that? And I was like, oh, I would. So I met a woman who was an established journalist for coffee and she said to me, all you're going to get out of that master's at the moment is your work experience. Yeah. And she was like, you know how to do this stuff. Like, you know, you have a really sound um, degree in law. Like you've done other things. Just go in and do the job bridge. Mm. And I did that. So I got job bridge in image and I was on like no money. Like job bridge is really bad and like paying for your commute and all that really yeah. get into it. But I really liked working in image, like looking back, they were great. They I had really nice bosses. I worked with great teams. Roisin then left to set up a confessional magazine and she's now doing film and stuff. And Caroline Foran came in to be deputy editor. And so I was working with Caroline Foran and Ellie Balfe and they were just lovely to work with. Yeah. And it was kind of the early days of websites in Ireland. Not early days, but the thing about like women's websites around the world is I don't know how it's really hard to do them right. And mm. it's really hard to know your audience because with the internet, the audience changes so much. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, one week mental health is in, then the next week people want to know about abs. So it's really hard to get that. So I think yeah. we were kind of in that phase of, you know, still trying to find out what the reader was and like you have analytics, but if you follow analytics too much, you end up making bad stuff. Yeah. And I think that was around the time as well that um, the advertising money was moving. So it was like, well, we haven't figured out how to make money from online yet, but people aren't really spending with with print anymore. So we need to figure it out really, really quickly. Yeah. And but, it was that kind of urgency, I think. Yeah. And I was looking that like the three of us had a pretty similar outlook and sense of humour. And they were just, Ellie and Caroline were lovely to work with. And then I was there about two and a half years, maybe longer. I was there about three years. But you weren't on Jobbridge or like as an intern the whole time, were you? I was on Jobbridge for nine months and then I became junior editor and then I became um, senior editor and then I was senior features editor for like a month. Um, But I'd done things like events with Image. Being on Jobbridge for nine months was very tough and it's affected me financially to this day. So, but I don't really get angry about it. Like I am trying I'm emailing my TDs at the moment about my tax credits because I am low on them I don't have enough tax credits to claim um free a free dental appointment every year because of job bridge okay. and that's happened to a, a lot of people around the country and that's I think that's bullshit that I went in and worked every day yeah, yeah. and the government set up this scheme and didn't reward me for going along with their scheme like I didn't emigrate I stayed in Ireland 
Which and is which is what they said they want. You know what I mean? Yeah. What they want it. And I think that's like a crime that they treat people like that. And the fact that companies use JobBridge to not hire people. The mm-hmm. co- it costs the companies nothing. Yeah. And they got away with that. And it's kind of the reason like I don't think I'll ever be able... Like I voted... Um, my Labour candidate in the last election on I voted on the pro-choice platform but I don't think I'll do that ever again like after this referendum I don't think if it passes I don't think I'd vote for Labour again after this referendum because the job bridge thing which I know various government parties or politic groups were party to I just really hate it and it was good that I got to do it and it's affected like it got me into media Mm. And but what it just did to people, I just don't like that. And it really devalued work. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely some pluses, but you could see like when you looked up the job bridge site, I remember at the time going in one day and just looking through all the jobs and the amount of jobs that were on job bridge that were jobs that were full time roles that they needed to hire full time people for. Do you know what I mean? They were really like I felt loads of companies were just taking advantage and taking someone in who they weren't giving they weren't going, we want someone to come in and really learn from us and we're going to mentor them or we're going to do X and we're going to do Y. They were going, we need labour and we need it really cheap and we need it now. Yeah, and I think that... And it was a really easy thing to take advantage of. Yeah, and I think that happened like across the country. Yeah, was, yeah, no, it happened everywhere. And it happened from like news agents to, I mean, I think I saw at one point somebody, they were looking for people with a PhD on Jobbridge. Mm. And you're like, how the fuck do you think people are going to have gone through like their leaving cert, their undergrad, a postgrad and a PhD and have paid for all that and now you're going to not pay them. Yeah, it was, I don't know if the word is criminal, but it was, it was really dismissive of people. Yeah. So it was great in that like I got into media that way and then I went for the job in Stellar, which you also had. So oh yes, yeah, yeah. I was your successor. You became the new me. Yeah, without the Snapchat. Oh yeah, back, so, back in the, the heady days of Snapchat fame. So I was there for about a year and eight months. I did the calculations today and I've now moved on from that and from that kind of media role. I'm now working in content design in the public sector because I just, not I was done with media, but I just needed a change. And I went back to, I'm in college part time doing science communication in DCU. So I'm trying to pivot, I think is the, from my web oh, summit yeah, days, yeah. the word I'm pivoting. Um, but It's a very on trend, I heard. Pivoting. Yeah. Science communication is as well. Oh yeah, that's true. Growing field. And um, it's really interesting. But what got me interested in science communication was I was writing so much kind of women's health stories, but also observing bad advice on mm. social media and I was like, oh, this is weird. And it was kind of before the big fake news phenomenon. But I was thinking about it for a while. I was like, oh, I need to, this is bothering me. Yeah. And I want to sort of. Well, you want to be better. Yeah. No, I mean, in, in, in your, like, you want your signs communicating to be better. Yeah. And just this sort of, you can get a press release and you can write up the press release without questioning anything. I think that happens a bit. doesn't happen a lot. Like, I think people really go after journalists as being lazy. And I don't think that's the case. I actually think readers are lazy. Mm. So like if you're into those content churning sites and you're clicking the links, 
that's like that's the decision you made yeah true yeah, like a yeah. newspaper you can pick up and it'd be in a cafe but like when you go online and you click a link on facebook you decided to click that link and you decide to yeah. give them traffic it is kind of that that moment of when you see people going do you really call this news and you're like you're reading it yeah like you clicked on that knowing it was a story about kim kardashian's arse and now you're giving out that it's not news I on know. a you know so what I mean? you're like it's so stupid but like you can surround yourself with the type of media like that's the whole bubble thing like you can surround yourself with whatever news hard news broadsheets mm. and I think people giving out about clickbait I'm like but that's you liked those pages originally yeah you can unlike them you can block them from your feed you can seek out news like I read the rte.e every morning now and I read the Irish Times and I click on the Irish Independent like so I you can read you subscribe to the Irish Times I have a student um offer which I believe is free so oh. That's the reason I went back to college, all the that discounts. Is a, that is another compelling. I'm like, get back on LinkedIn, go back to college, get your free Irish Times. The now you're, you're going to pay handy. for your fees. So it's an expensive oh, yeah. Irish oh, yeah, Times. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I, but I kind of decided to change my career. I was in a shop, the Londis on Westmoreland Street. And I was on the phone to a friend and I saw like the Sunday papers and there was someone profiled in the Sunday papers and I looked at her face and I was like, fuck, I'm going to have to interview her someday. I don't want to do it. And that was, I was like, you know what, I'm going to make a change. Who because was it? I can't say because I'll get, you'll get in trouble and I'll get in trouble. Yeah, I've actually, I'm, I'm in enough trouble. So, because she's harmless. Well, they're all harmless. Yeah. That's the problem with Irish celebrity. I was talking to somebody about this today. Like somebody was going, oh, do you think like such and such gets trolls or getaters and I was like no because I think the majority of kind of A-list or like very successful celebrities or bloggers or Snapchatters or influencers are harmless yeah which I think is an insulting word actually Ellen Tannum says it's the worst thing you can say about somebody (laughs) yeah or like they're nice or they wouldn't hurt a fly nice I I think is different from harmless because harmless kind of suggests a level of idiocy True, yeah, yeah. Not like that you're banging into walls, Mr. Bean, but <clears throat> that, you know, no, you just but there nod is slight, along with things. Yeah, like you couldn't really make a difference if you tried. You know what I mean? Yeah. You couldn't really affect change if you tried. Like back to um, science communication for a second. Okay. You you have a specific interest or like you have a specific problem that you're interested in having represented correctly, which is something that's kind of been in the news the last few weeks. Oh, Let's yes. talk about Lena Dunham. Yes, I know I, you really want to talk about her. And my relevant vagina. Yes. So, yeah, I have endometriosis. And actually, it was the first article I wrote for Image was about endometriosis, about my endometriosis and my diagnosis. So I was writing about it before it was cool. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so you pipped Lena to the post. Yeah, um, I don't know if I feel comfortable being compared to Lena, but whatever her name is. No, I used to be compared to Lena all the time. I, You know, like a couple of years ago, it was like, oh God, Rosemary McCabe thinks she's the Lena Dunham of Ireland. And kind of before she was like the anti-hero, when she was still like annoying, but kind of woke. I don't know if you could like call her an anti-hero now, because her reputation is pretty... It's pretty bad. She's more anti than hero now, isn't she? Yeah, and I... Do you know, when she writes something like an essay, they usually are good like they're her book's grand oh, I hated her book yeah I it I'm not a fan her, of her book that was, navel gaze in any way but yeah. like 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have it to get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, bit get 20, 20, bit get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, Objectively, I was like, it's fine. Her book, I felt like, was written uh, by somebody who thinks they're like 20% more intelligent than they are, which is probably what my book of memoirs would be like. You know I what I mean? if anyone writes a memoir in their 20s, they're basically inviting regret into their life. What if you have enough regret already and you're, so you're willing to take that risk? Like, I think there's like the hot mess memoir and then there's the... Um, just that particular oh I feel like everything in my life is profound well she does yes so there's like the Kat Marnell memoir which is you're like whoa and you're loving it and I think like there's grief memoirs I kind not grief memoirs but someone writing about like a difficult time they went through I'm okay with that but Mm. this sort of like turning everything in your life into a metaphor I am not into that yeah and I feel like I just feel that Lena Dunham is she came along at the wrong time. I think Felina Dunham was in the 90s. She would have survived. Her reputation would have survived intact. But Well, because nobody would have thought she was racist when she said that thing about the MTV Awards or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she's kind of this, like, privileged white person who is maybe not very aware of her privilege and not not very woke in terms of, of race. And so says these things that in the 90s nobody would have batted an eye yeah. at. Yeah, so I think she'd have been like, oh, she's a profound feminist. I Whereas think, now it's like, okay, yeah, fine. You're like, we're all fucking feminists, but you're also a bit like. Yeah, like I hate the TV show girls. Like, I'm just not into it. I gave up after season two, but now, but then I heard the last season was amazing, so I want to restart. But um, tell our listeners if they don't know, if <laughs> they've got this far, what is endometriosis? Well, I actually contacted the Endometriosis Association of Ireland because there is a lot of miscommunication around what endometriosis is and magazines are better at it now. But Mm. there was an era where they were misdefining it. So I contacted the Endometriosis Association of Ireland, who I've been in touch with since before I was diagnosed, because I'm quite proactive with that kind of stuff. Like I emailed them. What happened was I emailed them as soon as I had the symptoms. And I was like, what are the supports in Ireland for me? And they rang me. They were great. Oh, wow. So endometriosis is basically you. It's a chronic condition. It's invisible. And it's diagnosed by a laparoscopy surgery. There's no other way to diagnose it, which is something that people, so someone might meet me and they'll be like, I have endo. And I was like, oh, did you have the lap? And they're like, no, my GP said it. And I'm like, in my head, you might have something else wrong with you and you're treating, mm. the, you're treating mm. the wrong thing. So it's always a lap is the only way to um, diagnose it. So it's basically cells similar to that in the uterus are found in the pelvic area on the bowel, bladder and space between the bowel and womb. And they're lesions that are similar in nature to the uterine lining, but they're not the same. So some people are like, oh, it's when your womb lining grows outside your womb, but it's not something similar to it. Okay. And it responds to hormonal stimulation and can create inflamed and painful areas within the body. 
and it's been found in other pelvic lo- extra pelvic locations such as the lungs and skin in extreme conditions. It's not an STI and it's not cancer. And the current science is that it's most likely present from embryological development. So when you're in the womb as a baby. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so it's nothing like, I mean, importantly and kind of obviously, but it's nothing you did. It's nothing anybody's done. It's something you're mad at. God, yeah. Which is like something I'm really interested in with the whole conversation around feminism and motherhood and giving birth. And, you know, people are like, oh, like, we're going to have one drink. And you're like, actually, medically, that's ill-advised. And Mm. it's just, and there's stuff that came out about this study recently about taking painkillers during pregnancy. And there is a correlation between girls having a lower egg count of mothers who took painkillers. So there's a lot to be, like, it's an unpopular feminist sort of outlook in that but when you were pregnant you're there's you should be well because it's a very double-edged sword so yeah on the one hand we're like okay you know w- w- when you are pregnant and planning on uh giving birth to that child then there are certain responsibilities and maybe expectations and and and, and i guess there are certain kind of shoulds that as a society we could expect that like you should refrain from drinking alcohol you should refrain from smoking yeah. and all these things but then there's the other side of it where it's like well women get enough shit for the decisions yeah. that they they make and you know around their bodies and around their reproductive I'm systems I'm really interested in all that and you know it's like a unpopular thing to be kind of really gleefully into not that I'm gleefully into but I'm just like, like well what does happen and I'm not saying that and I'm not a scientist so this is probably me just speculating but if they found out that endometriosis is caused by something during pregnancy I would want to know the cause of endometriosis because they don't know the cause. It's incurable. And as someone with the condition, I want to know why I have it. And I'm not going to find that out in my lifetime. Like so that you can not pass it on and so that we can all not pass it. Do you know what I mean? So that we can eradicate it. It's not so much about eradicating and passing it on because like say if I got my egg, my child, if I was pregnant, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't think having endometriosis is a curse. I don't see it as a curse. It's just something that's happening to me. Well, I mean, so I, A, am not a doctor and B, do not have endometriosis. But when I was working at Stellar, I did a piece on endometriosis and I, I interviewed, remember reading it. Yeah. I interviewed several women who suffered from it and I spoke to the Endometrios- Endometriosis Association of Ireland about it because they were saying the same things that there are so many miscommunications. And I was really staggered by the fact that, for example, I didn't know that you could get really bad symptoms of endometriosis when you didn't have your period. I thought it only happened when you were menstruating. No. And I didn't know that it could get so severe. So I spoke to women who were like, I've been basically off work for a year because I can't move because I'm in incredible pain because it's growing like at the back of my bladder and it's kind of pushing on my spine and I'm in pain and I have these lesions and I didn't know any of this. So, you know, not necessarily that I'd be going, let's test for endometriosis in the fetus and then consider yeah. when to continue with the pregnancy like that's extreme but at the same that's time the science isn't there so hmm? the science isn't no. there well thank god yeah tg as my friend Kirsty would say but um i do think that there are some endometri- endometriosis sufferers who would see it as a curse do you know what i mean because yeah. they have like incredibly severe and i'm not saying that you don't because because i don't actually know yeah well i got diagnosed in ireland but the road to my diagnosis started in canada when i was living there and the great thing about canada is you have health insurance but you pay for it you pay a couple of hundred i paid about 800 dollars when i was there and that was for eight months on a student visa so you would be paying more and their health system in my opinion it was fantastic but i don't think that that would work really in ireland because you're paying a health insurance company and it's a big cultural shift here yeah. but it would 
it meant that I did have to queue at my GP over there, but I wasn't queuing for ages and I got to see them. And I was in Canada, I think it was like around February, maybe. And I passed out from pain for my period. And my oh, period's wow. been pretty bad in Canada. And a lot of people, it's triggered with puberty. Mine was triggered in my early 20s. I had heavy periods, but I wasn't off from school. There was other girls mm. and they couldn't sit in class. They'd be up yeah. in the hallway with the hot water bottles. I have a friend who took about three days off per month. I remember in secondary. And like at the time we were all a bit like, oh, that's very dramatic. And she'd be yeah. like, oh, I was getting sick and I was fainting. We'd be like, as if. And it turns out she has endo. Yeah. And like so really bad. That didn't happen for me um, in school. I had periods and they were really heavy, like really, really heavy. But you know, the way the ads are all like the blue water at the time. Yeah. You were like, you had nothing to compare. You were yeah, like, oh, yeah. there is another clash. <laughs> like, yeah, you know. and, and I mean, when I spoke to the the people from the association, they were saying that one of the big issues is that a lot of the time when women go to male doctors, male doctors who have never menstruated will say things to them like, that's just normal. That's just menstruation. Do you know what I mean? That's just t- to be expected. This Some is, women are just have heavy periods. This is where I have like an infuriating um divergement from that or if that's even a word in that I had excellent male doctors I think the word is divergence divergence because I've seen like that great film. movie with Shane <laughs> so I actually in Canada I saw a I passed out from the pain and it took me about it took me ages to walk to the health clinic and it was a 10 minute walk away because I kept having to sit down and when I got to the clinic I had to go into a room and lie down on the floor oh. and I then got seen by someone and she was like, okay, I have a feeling I know what this is. And she goes, we're going to do a few tests and give you a painkiller or whatever. And then I got with my Canadian healthcare, I got reduced drugs price. So I took a few weeks or a few weeks later, I went in to see, got all my tests done. Got like, I've had so many smears like that. It's definitely not good for me and <laughs> because I've been investigated because it's a, they have to outrule everything yeah. before they can so they open you up. they rule ovaries and A lot of things like that, things, yeah. yeah. And I forget all the things I got done, but a man walked in to the surgery and he like looked through my files and looked at me and goes, you've got mechanical problems. And I love that because I love honest black and white chat and he just went through I'm pretty sure you have endo we're going to do more tests here so when you arrive back in Ireland you have everything done all you have to do is get the surgery and I was delighted with that and the weird thing was though I had this like makes me sound all mystical but years ago I had read about endo as a teenager and you know when you're like a teenager and you're like oh I bet you I was this in another life or I bet you I was that you know when you're mental yeah yeah and I remember reading about endo in a magazine and just being like I bet you I have that <laughs> like you know wanting it in a weird way or just like you know when you want something yeah. and um, I kind of wanted a back brace like Deanie in that Judy Bloom <laughs> book for like why that sounded awful I know but I think it was because she was almost a model until she found out she had scoliosis. So it was more that I wanted to be pretty and, and, and thin enough to And you to could have had that chance. Yeah, and I was like, if I just get my back brace, <laughs> then when I come out of it, I'll be like the swan. Yeah, so I was, I'd read about that and I remember going to a friend, like we were in an Indian, like, you know, when you go at 16 out to like a Chinese or an oh, Indian, yeah. you feel You're so, so adult. And I was like, I think I have endometriosis. And I forgot about that until like recently. So I, and, but I didn't make it up because my memories are very clear. And okay. I was also I a couple of months before that and, Canada my ex-boyfriend had come over to see me I remember we were driving to Niagara Falls which is a shithole yeah <laughs> I'm just gonna say this. that right yeah. now um, it's like a really shitty little town isn't it like, yeah that's awful I hope I don't have any listeners well I hope I do have some listeners from Niagara that'd be so exciting I'd say they'd agree um yeah, so okay. we were stuck there for ages but I bought a copy of Cosmo I remember they were read there was a quiz and I'd answered yes no to a bunch of questions like why 
it's too private a question to say here. And I ended up landing on the endometriosis tile. So Cosmo had like diagnosed me before doctors did, which I was that like. That seems irresponsible of Cosmo to have like a, a yes, no quiz that diagnoses US you Cosmo's great medical um, writing. It's good it. for science communication. Very good for medical communication. So I, I subscribed to it um, by print. But then in Canada, I came back home and I went to a female GP in my local area. And I had all my documents from these specialists in Canada. Like they were mm-hmm. like, this girl, all we need to do is cut her open and we're going oh. to find it. And I was chill with that. And I went to the doctor and I was like, I need you to refer me to this doctor who the Endometriosis Association, uh, <laughs> the Endometriosis Association of Ireland had recommended um, a list of doctors that they knew were specialists. And I picked one out because I looked him up and I saw a YouTube video where he'd won Pampers Doctor of the Year. And I was Pampers. like... Pampers? Yeah, he, or some oh. like um, brand. This is how I make my decisions, Rosemary. I go up my gut. And I was like, do you know what? I'm going to the guy that like Ed guy. Nappy's brand have crowned Ob Guyan of the Year and whose picture is just a YouTube video with some music. And I was like, I want to see this guy. So I want to get referred to him. And um, GP questioned my whole, even though I had professionals from Canada, she was like, "Mm, I don't think you have this. And I was like, well, it's funny because like a team of medics in Canada think I have it. And I got really aggressive with her. And I was like, just sign the fucking letter and post it off. And she was really taken aback. But I was like, I just want to get this done because I had read about diagnostic delays. There's delays of like nine to 15 years with people. I'd say doctors hate people who have read about diagnostic delays. Do you mean they're like not another one? But the thing is, no, but it's, if but you're it's, sick, it's you're sick. Yeah. And, and I think it's really important in all these situations to be empowered enough to go, no. Yeah. And like, just you go. you need to send me for this, like now. Yeah. Just, yeah. And I got up and to see the doctor a couple of weeks later. And this was for the, the laparoscopy, was yeah, it? Yeah, to get the lap. And he did a transvaginal exam there, which is where they put like a dildo in you and it's got a camera. I've had loads of them done. So I'm pretty okay with that. A dildo with a camera. It's like, yeah, a transvaginal exam. You'll get it if you're looking for cysts and stuff and you get it when you're pregnant. Um, up until like a certain trimester, I believe. So they just lube up a thing and put it in you. You gads. So, but like I'm, I've had so much, I've had so many people look down there that I have no qualms about it mm, anymore. Yeah. So I got that done and then he was like, yeah, we're going to book you in for the surgery. And he got me in, um, he got me in way sooner than I should have got in. Um, but it was to do with like this private public thing that has now disappeared where a cheap uh, consultant could like make a decision if oh, you yeah, want okay. to see you sooner. Yeah, yeah. So I got seen years before a lot of people would have gotten seen. Um, years? Yeah, some people don't get seen for like years. So I oh. got in because I, but it's because I had everything else done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was a tick the box. There's a free bed in that day. Yeah, yeah. And I got in and after the surgery, it was my final year I had was doing a dissertation at the time and I actually dropped out of the dissertation module because I just wasn't in the head frame. Like having surgery is you don't realise it's actually being you're being cut up. Yeah. And your body afterwards is not right for yeah. ages because it's been invaded. And I mean also even from general anaesthetic, that takes days yeah, so to get I back was, to normal. But I was having a gas time because I was doing that women's magazine with Fiona and I was hanging out with loads of new people. And um, I'd met my boyfriend around then and that like I just we weren't going out or anything, but like he was in my life and just all these really fun new people. And even though I'd had surgery and had to wear like high waisted dresses for a while because they had like blown up my belly and all that to um, to find the endo and to like um, excise some of it. So that's where they take it off. but it grows back. So you can't really, you can't stop endo. You can treat it, but you can't stop it. 
So I don't know what I'm like down there anymore. Like I probably am due another surgery, but I don't really want to um, investigate that. And also it's the money of going, I have to go private to see somebody and I don't have health insurance and pre-existing conditions. It's yeah, an absolute quagmire. So after that, I was put on, I remember I got a prescription for like one version of the pill and I didn't want to take that pill because two girls I'd known had taken it had tough times on it. So I went back to, the, I went to the GP in the college and they put me on some shitty like little generic and it wasn't treating it, it wasn't right. And then I went to a, the GP I'm with now and she's like, you're not meant to be on that and you've been on the wrong medication for six months. So then I'm now on Offernet and I'm finding it amazing and I'm off it there for the last week but I have to see my GP so I couldn't get an appointment so I'm off for an extra few days and I immediately started breaking out oh wow so I don't have spots most of the time so I'm like when people are like I came off the pill and I'm like fucking thick (laughs) so so I'm like you're all complaining you're all buying assets and you're like just pump yourself with chems so Because people are like, oh, gee, your skin, your skin. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. I don't even drink that much water. No, it's because I'm kept alive by Big Pharma. So, um, but the only thing is like I have, um, I do get like extra hair or whatever. And I find it really hard to lose weight. But I think that's more the endo than the pill. Because the pill treat this pill treats me fine. But some women it doesn't work for. So yeah, every endo yeah. case is completely different. But as regards symptoms and it, make, it makes, this sounds like, oh, I just have endo. But I have terrible fatigue. Like I haven't been to a nightclub in years. I can't do nights out. And that has caused um, ruptures in friendships, like these kind of passive aggressive distances. And it's also like my relationship has been affected. And like me and Dan don't go out a lot together. We hang out a lot, but like he'll be out on nights out and I'll be home by 12. And it's because if I know if I went out, I'll be fucked for days. And sometimes I get fatigue in that I just can't get out of my bed. And it does affect your life because in a workplace, how do you explain you're arriving in late every day? Mm. You look like you're really shit at your job. Yeah, yeah. So it does affect people's perception of you and you look like you're zero crack. So it affects your social life and your professional life. And I do get pains in my legs a lot. So. Yeah, which are actually gross. And like I, I got, I mean, kind of dull aches in my thighs after I got the coil put in. And they, they'd said to me, you know, you might feel cramping for a couple of days. And it was just the most... I mean, it wasn't the most painful thing I've ever experienced, but it was just so uncomfortable and kind of unrelenting. It was it was like I would put it in the same category as one time I had sciatica and this just like will like this pain that just will not go away. And you're really worried. You're like, oh, my God, am I getting a clot? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah, yeah. should I go to the master? what it feels like. Yeah, because I know two girls have had clots, so I'm always like. I feel like, you know, two girls who've had everything. I know, but people tell me I my private messages. I say to Dan, like if something happens to me, delete Burn every account I have delete everything because so many girls have confessed to me and I love getting the messages like uh, first of all I'm really interested I think like if I had brains and patience I'd have become an ob guy because I'm really into women's health and a girl who studied ob guy and got onto me on Instagram and she goes Jean this is a book you'll really love and it's like a medical textbook and I'm like oh my god <laughs> I was like I'm so glad that a doctor's recommending this to me but I'm just I really like hearing about different conditions and also sympathizing like just being like, no, that is shit. You have that if you want mm. to go for coffee. Probably not go for coffee. It's probably bad for us. But <laughs> uh, I hate herbal tea and I have to drink it. Well, I'm having proper tea right now, but like I tried to drink herbal tea and I can't stand it. But have you tried uh, rooibos or, I hate or red it. Bus? Yeah, my oh, my dad like buys it for me, so I have it when I'm home. But like I'm not. I like that. I like peppermint tea, and mm. that's about it. Yeah, yeah. But, but peppermint tea, I think, is a bit like. 
you can't drink that much if you just feel like you're brushing your teeth. Yeah. It feels like something you get in also those kind of like overpriced cafes. Well, yeah. Well, Hipster ones. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so and I'm trying to like with my endo at the moment, I I've put on about a stone and a half in the past year and I can't really shift it. So I just I'm trying to get used to that. But I'm trying to exercise more because it's good for you, mm. as you know, Rosemary. I do know. And it's, it, it's um funny, though, so many of those hormonal like uh, polycystic ovaries and endo make it really difficult for women to do, to lose weight. Yeah. Because whatever all these hormonal changes that are happening, like I, I think um, PCOS especially makes you more insulin resistant. So you find it harder to process carbs, like all these things. It's just such a headache and a minefield. Yeah. And some people like I meet girls and they think they have endo. Like I'm going to treat it by diet. And I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> OK, <laughs> you can eat all the kale you want in the world. It's going to be pretty hard to shift yeah to shift your incoming nurse yeah like just yeah I mean that you know there are definite arguments where there are a lot of things that can be I mean I I, I kind of shy away from the sentence like it can be treated by diet I think you can say you can help things with diet you know what I mean but like one girl was things. talking about me recently and she was like oh well I'm not going to get the surgery and if they find if I do have to get the surgery to find I'm going to tell them to leave it in there and I'm just a bit like okay like kind of my brow furrowing just being like this is not a coffee like I'm not the person who's going to be like, yeah, I'm going to be the person to be like, are you sure? Yeah, like, like, sure, you can positive think that away. But also, if you eat less bread, if you eat more vegetables, if you don't have sugary drinks, you are going to feel good. Yes. And yeah, I think agreed. That, you're like, going to feel healthy, better and you're going to be healthier. Yeah. Healthy eating and doing exercise and watching, not emotionally eating and all that, you're going to feel amazing. That's what happens. It's not going to cure. Endo is incurable. And the thing about Lena Dunham's she doesn't say she had her Lena Dunham basically to readers or listeners who haven't um, heard she had a hysterectomy and she wrote about it for Vogue and I haven't read the essay yet because I feel I'm too close to it so I but I do have to read it for a thing in the coming days um, but a lot of articles framed that she had a hysterectomy for her endo to cure her endo yeah and uh, yeah, she does that. say in the article that it wasn't to cure her endo it was to treat her pain it's not to cure for endo endo doesn't live in the womb it yeah. lives in other parts of you so you basically have to get rid of like the lower half of your body in some cases to cure your endo. Um, it's and, and I mean, I hadn't realised that either until I spoke to women who were saying like in the 80s and the 70s and 80s, it was really like the only cure for this is a hysterectomy. Yeah. And women would have hysterectomies and then still have fucking endo. Yeah. So it's like there's loads of knowledge on that. And when you go to the endo information days, you'll talk to people who've had different treatments. Some people have like been put into early menopause and stuff like that. Mm. There's like there's a host of different things. Um and infertility is a big thing with endo, but 70% of women who have endo go on to have children. So say if there's anybody listening who thinks that they may have endo, what would you tell them to do? Or like, what would you, what are the first um, steps? I mean, obviously go to your fucking doctor. Yeah, but like, cynically, um, find a job that has health insurance. <laughs> and maybe because you don't want to, them to know you already have it, maybe like yeah. scam the, I don't know, do a bit more get research the health insurance into that. now before you get diagnosed, basically. Yeah, but then... I don't, yeah, I don't know how health insurance really works not having it. Um, so that is not my lived experience having health insurance. But maybe like get a job because you might need a bit of more money than you think, especially if you yeah. want to manage in holistic management of your endo will help you like with your mental health. Like I found acupuncture was amazing for I loved acupuncture and I know some people are like, oh, Jean, that doesn't work. But for me, I really enjoy that sitting down for lying down for a half hour with yeah, needles yeah. in me. And it worked for me. OK, sue me. See me science. Um, so you might need a bit more money. So maybe give up on your dreams of working in a publishing house. That sounds really cruel. But 
do you know what? It's you're facing into a life of this. Yeah. So like that's my cynical advice is be a bit practical about your money situation because you might want to get more massages. You might have to go to physiotherapy more. Mm. Yoga is good. Yoga is not cheap. Um, Yoga is not cheap. Maybe look at your work situation. Like a stressful environment isn't going to help. Like I think I have IBS. And I think that was developed in tandem with my endo mm-hmm. and it's not good. So in my endo, I have real like I'd say if they opened me up, there would be something to do with my bowels because it's every time I come off my, I take the pill continuously because I got a five week period once and it was horrific. I was, I was actually grey, like my boss said it to me at the time. They were like Jean and I was like, "Mm, you know, and the doctor was like, that's no way to live. And I take a back to back three packs at a time. You can take a back to back continuously. It's fine. Um, But I take it three months at a time. We're not doctors. We're not doctors, but the doctor said it was fine. So, um, So, you know what, though, on the health insurance thing, I will say, so I recently got health insurance mainly because I was afraid I had MS because I kept getting pins and needles in my arms. Oh, gosh. Was Um, it from your phone? What? Was it from your phone? No, well, I actually don't know what it's from. So I have an appointment with a neurologist, but um, I kept and I I would wake myself up with pins and needles all down one arm and my arm would be completely dead. Um, And I Googled it and obviously it's like MS, like main symptom. But then I went, so I decided that before I would get diagnosed with with MS, which I was sure I had, uh, I would get health insurance because I was like, it can't be a pre-existing condition. Yeah. So look it up. Yeah, so I signed up and I got health insurance. Then I went to my doctor and my doctor was like, no, that's definitely not MS because if it was, you would get pins and needles in the same place. You know what I mean? So she was like, if you get pens and needles in your right hand all the time, then you could say maybe like that might be MS because it's one of the, um, what did she call them? Anyway, there's something about like MS affects specific neurons. So it'd be like one neuron is ah. affected and that is the one attached to the hand. That's Science my very, communication. That's my very, very rudimentary understanding. I'm not, a, I'm not a scientist. Yeah. So I'd say like, don't take a job that you know you're going to be working crazy hours. 80 hours a week. Yeah. Because it's going to be really bad for you. Um, so you're just going to adjust your lifestyle. Also, if you're in a relationship, one thing endo can be as painful, can have as painful sex. So that can really affect a relationship. And, you know, make sure you're with somebody who loves you and well, likes you. That's good you. life advice though in yeah. general, isn't it? But like, if you think that person is going to be like really annoyed that you can't go out all the time or that you might not be in the mood for sex. Yeah. Like, that's you're going to feel like shit so don't go out with someone who you feel kind of guilty about landing Mm, them with like mm. someone who like enjoys your company that's good advice for everyone yes well a lot of people are with people who they put on a show for and it's a performative girlfriend relationship so you have to be with someone who you're like 100% yourself with yeah um and who's going to be comfortable with you talking about like your body parts all the time in a not sexy way so (laughs) you know (laughs) outside the bedroom like real talk so um I think I think the defining moment in my relationship was when I had a really bad stomach bug and I was sitting on the bed puking into a basin and I wet myself. <laughs> and like he was standing right there and I was like, oh my God, I just peed myself. And he was like, it's fine. Just just get up and go to the bathroom. And he changed the sheets while I was in the bathroom. That's like, puking lovely. And crying. And I was like, this is love. Yeah. I think like, yeah, Dan's, Dan's lovely. So he's seen he's seen a lot too. <laughs> I'll just yeah. say that. He deserves a medal. But then again, he doesn't deserve a medal. Because whenever I talk about stories about Dan or something, I talk about it, I go, poor Dan. And I'm always like, um, poor me too. Well, like poor you mostly. And also, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think I think there's a whole big conversation to be had about men getting medals for doing things that yeah. are very human. And we should like, just women do a lot of them. things. Yeah. Well, yeah. So yeah. Like, men oh, getting medals for doing 10% of our emotional labor. But well then again, done. Dan does do a lot like so. And he is a great person. But 
yeah, so that's the personal life aspect of it. But like medically, go to your GP. If your GP's a prick or a bitch, go to a different GP. But that's also an important life lesson. I'm always saying that to people because people ask me about for advice on their mental health. And they'll say, oh, I really don't feel like my GP understand. I'm like, go to someone else. So go to your GP and start the process. Um, you might have to go private. You might have to pay cash. You just do it. Um, that sounds very backstreet. No, like, <laughs> but like, um, I get like people are like, I don't have the money for this. I don't have the money for that. And I'm always a bit like, this is a bit hard truths, but like find the money. And yeah. so like, it's going to save you years of agony or pain. Like you're still going to probably have pain and agony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it'll save you waiting seven years to... Yeah, sometimes yeah. you just have to, um, you know, you sort it out. It. You just have to grow up. Like there's moments in your life. Like another thing about media was with me. I was like, do you know what? Um, the girls I know buying houses and having these kind of lives have partners who have good jobs mm. and who have money. And I'm, you know, I'm and not going to hitch my wagon to somebody else's Your partner's an artist, star. isn't he, though, as well. So it's like... Like neither of you are. No, but, but you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like, like People are always like, why don't you live together? I'm like, um, writers who move in with musicians um, tend not to stay together very long. Yeah. Or maybe they do in a hovel. Well, I actually remember somebody saying to me that uh, for every creative person, you need to find a partner who is uh, incredibly supportive, but also ideally not, not in a creative role. Do you know what I mean? So somebody who's willing oh. to, to, to do their career... Um, in order to allow you to experience yeah. yours. If and I know sense. that's pretty sensible advice, but oh, yeah. um, I just had no interest in um, standing outside Facebook with a sign saying, marry me. You know? No, but, but, like, but, but you're now the supportive partner um, to Dan's no, Artiste. Not financially supportive. <laughs> not yet. I think we're both emotional. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I have no plans. Yeah. Um, I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it there. Okay. Oh, poor Dan. He's getting a battering. Jean, thank you very much. Thanks for, for taking me. the time to come and talk about your vagina mm-hmm. and that dildo with the camera on it, which I'm now going to Google. This has been How To Be Sound with me, your host, Rosemary McCabe. You can find me at rosemarymccabe.com and online on all forms of social media at Rosemary McCabe with an A in my Mac. Jean, would you like a social media link? I'm no longer on Twitter, but I do have a oh. website, www.jeanne Sutton, S-U-T-T-O-N dot I-E. Oh, dot I-E. Yeah. French, Sutton.ie. I would like to say a big thank you to Liam, my lovely producer, whose podcast, Meet Your Maker, is also out now and really worth a listen, but only after you've listened to mine. I would also like to thank my patrons. I have four, one of whom wishes to remain anonymous, but to the rest of them, Siobhan O'Rourke, Paul Jeremiah Hayes and Kira Norton, I would like to say thank you so much for supporting How To Be Sound. Uh, I really appreciate your money and it will go somewhere great, like possibly to muzzle Quill on for the next recording. If you would like to become a patron, you can do so at patreon.com slash howtobesound. You will get a little bonus episode to coincide with each episode of How To Be Sound. And this week, or this fortnight rather, there's a very special Patreon bonus episode, which is a recording of a comedy set that I did when I did stand-up comedy that I thought would be a nice tie-in because I did stand-up comedy for a brand, Bayer, when they were promoting some of their women's intimate hygiene products. And I happened to record the stand-up comedy set on my phone. So that's going to be uploaded to Patreon and you can listen to it there. So that is for patrons only. In the meantime, if you have guests you could suggest that I interview, please do get in touch and we'll see you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 